If you guys have your Bibles, uh, Psalms 105, uh, 17 and 19, that's where we're going to be. That's the framework for our message tonight. And uh, we've been uh, in this series, Made for Greatness, as you just heard. And uh, the whole premise behind this series is to let you know, if you didn't already know, that you are made for greatness, that God has hardwired greatness into our lives. Why? Because we serve a great God. And so if God is a great God, he's instilled greatness into all of us. The whole purpose of this series is to help us tap in to the greatness that God has already given to us in our lives. How do we access that? How do we position ourselves to experience the greatness that God has for us in our lives? So we've been looking at the life of Joseph, not New Testament, uh, Mary and Joseph, mother and father of Jesus. We're talking about Old Testament Joseph, Joseph with the Gucci kind of coat. That's the Joseph that we're talking about. And so we've been looking at his life. And so if you're just joining us, uh, we've been looking at the highs and lows of his life. And so I have a graphic that will summarize for us just the journey of Joseph up until this point. And so on screen, you'll see just really the steps and the process that God took Joseph to experience the greatness that he had for him in his life. God gave Joseph a dream, and so at the beginning of his life, he was the favorite son. The father loved him so much, gave him a coat, the Gucci coat, which made all his cousins and brothers and friends and all of them jealous. And so because he had this coat and because everyone else was jealous of him, that threw him into slavery. So he gets betrayed by his own family. He gets thrown into slavery. But out of that situation in slavery, he was still faithful to God. God's presence was with him. God's hand was still on his life. So even in a junk situation, God still brought some jewels or some gems out of his life. So he served faithfully in slavery, gets promoted to being Potiphar's household manager. Potiphar uh, owned a lot of stuff, and so he put Joseph in charge of everything. Joseph was so faithful in stewarding just all the details of the house that Potiphar only had to worry about whether he wanted to eat McDonald's or Jack in the Box. That's all he had to worry about because Joseph was running the whole ins and outs of his life. And so out of this situation, uh, Potiphar's wife uh, had an eye for Joseph and tries to trap him, lies about him, and gets him thrown into prison. He gets wrongly accused uh, by the wife, and now he's in another bad situation. He's in prison now because of uh, someone else's lie. So he does something right, and he gets rewarded by doing right things by getting thrown into prison. But in prison, he still is faithful. He serves faithfully in prison. The same thing that he was doing in Potiphar's house, he was doing that in prison. Then he gets promoted to being prison manager. And then after being promoted, we're going to look at this part of the story where he gets forgotten, gets imprisoned, but eventually he gets promoted to being the second in command. So God gave Joseph this dream, and he takes him through this process of developing him to be ready for the dream that God has for him in his life. So Psalms 105, 17, up on screen says this. Then he, referring to God, sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph. So Joseph, who was sold as a slave. He was sold as a slave, but God sent Joseph. Check that. So God sees it as sending Joseph experienced it as being sold into slavery. So God uses our situations to send us into our purpose. Verse 18, they bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar. But verse 19 is where we want to camp out tonight is this. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, God's dreams for Joseph's life, the Lord tested Joseph's character. The Lord tested Joseph's character character. I want to preach a message tonight from the premise, trust 
the process. Turn to your neighbor and tell him this. Trust the process. God has a purpose for our life, but he also has a process that you and I will walk through so that we can be prepared for the ultimate purpose that he has for us in our lives. Let's pray tonight. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that your word is truth. God, we thank you that we sang an amazing song declaring you as our firm foundation. God, when our lives are built and rooted in you, Lord, nothing can shake us. And so, Lord, we pray that we would anchor our lives on the truth of who you are and who we are in you. We want to hear from you tonight, so give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart that is soft, open, and receptive for everything you want to speak to us tonight. We thank you that we're going to leave here better than we came. In your beautiful name we pray, amen and amen. Trust the process. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Trust the process. I don't know about you, but I have a fear of heights. Anybody here have a fear of heights? I am deathly afraid of heights. Like, uh, I'm okay when you're at a tall building looking out, but there's something that happens to me where, like, my knees tremble as soon as I start looking down something happens. I just get frozen up and I can't even like function. Uh, so the higher the building, the greater the fear that I have. Like my fear is pretty bad where, you know when people are like at a hotel and they're just hanging out on the, the patio and they're just leaning on the railing? Like I can't do that. I can't just chill on the railing like this. I don't know. There's just something in me that I feel like I'm going to fall. Uh, that's my fear of heights. And so in preparation for this uh, a message, I was looking at tall buildings, and the tallest building that I've ever been on is the Seattle Space Needle. Anyone been to the Seattle Space Needle? It's not that tall. It's only 605 feet, but that 605 feet felt like 605 miles because just looking down was really, really getting my heart racing. And you know, like, you get the, the hot sweats? That's exactly how I get when I get a fear of heights. And so in preparation for this message, I was looking at other buildings. The tallest building in the world is, uh, let's, have, let's show up that graphic. The tallest building in the world is called Burj Khalifa, whose owner is Wiz Khalifa. Uh, that's not true, but I just thought that was funny. So it's in Dubai, and the height of this building is 2,700 feet. Basically, that's pretty tall. And just looking at all the tall buildings, the next highest building would be uh, Shanghai Tower in China. That's about 2,000 2, feet. And then the, the World Trade Center, uh, the, the One World Trade Center in New York, which is about 1,700 feet and so forth. And so looking at all of these tall buildings, and I'm like thinking to myself, there's no way I would like go to the top of the building and look down because that is a huge fear. Just even thinking about looking down on a building this tall, just giving me the heebie-jeebies. But... Thinking about how skyscrapers can be so high, engineers know that it doesn't matter the strength of something on the outside. Engineers know that the strength of any structure and building is not what you see above the surface, it's really what happens beneath the surface. The strength of any structure in our lives is not just seen on the outside, but it's really seen beneath the surface. And so we're looking at these tall buildings but really what's keeping these tall buildings tall and strong is not what you see on the outside, but it's what's happening below the surface. And so you see here, the tallest building in the world has about 164 feet beneath the surface that's anchoring it so that it can be high. The second tallest building in the world has the deepest foundation, almost 300 feet beneath the surface of the earth where the foundation is establishing the strength of the structure. Engineers have tapped into something physically 
that is also true for us spiritually. Let me say this. The higher you want to go in your, in your life, the deeper God got to dig into your heart. So the bigger the building, the deeper the foundation, the bigger the dream, the deeper the digging that God has to do in our hearts so that we can sustain being strong when we're tall. So we can have a strength in our lives that will sustain us. The enemy's process to try and destroy us is to get us to go as high as we can with faulty foundation so that when you high, you have a big crash. God's process in developing us is going beneath the surface to develop us so that when he starts to build on our lives, the higher it gets, he has already established the hype because we are firmly rooted on his word and on his truth. So the higher the dream that God has for you in your life, the higher the call, the deeper the digging that God is going to have to do in your life. So people like to talk about purpose and destiny. We have all of these visions about God wants to give me this and do this through my life. That is great. But the bigger the dream, the deeper the digging that God has to do in our lives. And nobody likes that process. Can we all just be honest in church tonight? Nobody likes the process of God digging out all the junk in us so that we can be prepared to be the men and women that he's called us to be. We don't like that process, but it is part of our purpose. The process is part of our purpose. And so from the life of Joseph, we see that God was developing his character all throughout the process. On that chart, you saw 13 years of God doing a digging in Joseph's character to prepare him for the ultimate purpose and promotion that he had for him. So if Joseph had to go through the same thing, you and I will have to go through that same process. First point in our notes is this. God develops our character to prepare us for his purpose. So character is a part of the process that God has for us in developing us for his purpose for our lives. Genesis 39, 20 to 23 says this. While Joseph was there in prison, now he just got thrown into prison for doing the right thing. He was obedient. He resisted temptation. He said no to Potiphar's wife. And by doing the right thing, he gets rewarded by being in prison. But he didn't have a pity party. Here's what he did in prison. Verse 21 says this. The Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So Joseph's faithfulness invited God's favor on his life. That's what we talked about last week. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So Joseph got punished for doing the right thing. And we think in our lives, many people think this, that once God delivers me from my situation, then I'll do something great for God. We think, man, I'm in a difficult season right now. I'm in a difficult situation right now. But once God delivers me out of this situation, then and only then will I start to do something great for God. The real test for us is this. Can you do something great for God even if he doesn't deliver you from your situation or circumstances? Can you still be faithful and walking in obedience to God as you're waiting for your breakthrough. It's easy to wait and trust and do something big for God after the breakthrough, but can you do it while you're waiting for your breakthrough in your life? And that's exactly 
what Joseph did. He was faithful. The same thing that he was doing in Potiphar's house of being faithful got him the same promotion that he was getting in the prison of where he was at. So God wants us to go all in for him. Can we go all in for him now in your difficult season rather than waiting for it to get better after? Can we continue to be faithful and serve God in the struggles of our life? And that's what Joseph did. He gave us a glimpse and how your situation can be junk, but you can still do great things for God in a junk situation. And he kind of gave insight to what the Apostle Paul later on, hundreds of years later, he says this in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5. He says this, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. So without character, you and I can never do anything great for God. God knows that the foundation of character is needed in our lives so that we can truly, truly glorify Him. So here's what happens. Trials doesn't develop character. Trials reveals the quality of our character. So trials doesn't just develop our character naturally. It reveals the type of character that we already have. God allows pressure to come to our lives, and your life and my life is like a sponge. Whatever pressure gets squeezed into the sponge, the sponge just starts to leak out what was already on the inside. So God allows trials and pressures to squeeze us to the point that what's on the inside of us comes on the outside, and we get to see firsthand what kind of character you and I really have. Because here's the truth. We all think that we're better than what we really are, but God knows the real us. He sees the real us beneath the surface. So what he does is he allows pressure to bring it to the surface so that we are aware of what kind of character that you and I have. So trials and crisis just brings to the surface of our lives the character that's already inside of us. But here's the great news. Faith allows us to access the grace that God gives us, not only for salvation, but for also sanctification and tribulation. So that's what faith does. When we put our faith in God, it allows us the grace to access not just salvation, but the grace that we need for sanctification or becoming more like Christ and tribulation when you're going through some difficult seasons. That's what faith in God allows us to experience. So for us, adversity takes us on a path where you and I have to make a decision of one or two things. When we go through adversity, we're going to have to come to a point where we're going to have to make a decision. Am I going to choose character or am I going to choose compromise? Am I going to choose character, trusting God and being faithful to him, or am I going to choose compromise, taking the shortcut around certain things? God allows us to experience character, and you and I have to make a choice whether we're going to choose character or we're going to choose compromise. The more we choose character, the more our character gets developed and the more we get prepared to be the person that God has for us for the purpose that he has for us in our lives. So here's how God works. He allows long trials. How many of us know that sometimes trials is not just a day? Sometimes trials can be a year couple years. 
And the longer the trial, the longer the endurance we have to develop because you're facing something over a long period of time. So same thing goes for us physically. You don't get just strong by going to the gym one time. You got to go for endurance. You got to go over a long season of time. And so that's what God does for our character. He allows us to experience a struggle for a season. And seasons can take up to years. Joseph's season was 13 years. David's season was 13 years. Moses' season was 40 years. So in that process of the season, God was developing endurance. And when endurance starts to get developed, character is strengthened. And then our hope in God starts to get deeper. But hope, just like our faith, is only dependent and strong as what we're placing our hope in. So if our hope is in God, we have an eternal hope. But oftentimes, we have hope that leads to disappointment because we've misplaced our hope in the wrong things. You know you place your hope in the wrong things when that thing that you were placing your hope in fails you and you feel disappointed. So for us, God often allows us to experience disappointment to reveal that we placed our hope in the wrong thing. Our hope should be placed in him. And when we have our hope in him, he is an eternal God. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, to today, and forever. So when God is our true hope, we can have an eternal hope regardless of our situation in our lives. So we have to put our hope in God. Joseph placed his hope in God and was faithful, trusting him even in a difficult season. Second point in our notes is this. God intends to use our struggles to serve others. God wants to use your struggle to serve someone else. Joseph, faithfully serving God in prison, doing the right thing, and for all of us, and this is extra, three things that we need to be faithful in to put us in a position for God to promote us. We need to be faithful in first things, we need to be faithful in small things, and we need to be faithful with other people's things. We need to be faithful in giving God the first things, we need to be faithful in the small things, and be faithful with stewarding other people's things. And so for Joseph, he was doing these three things, and God was putting him in a position for promotion. The story goes on. He's in prison, and immediately joining him in prison is two of Pharaoh's, like, key people on his staff, the cupbearer and the baker. You know Pharaoh had a sweet tooth because he had a baker on his staff, cooking up all kind of sweets and delicious treats and stuff like that. But the cupbearer was an important position. He was also serving the, the, the king's table as far as drinks goes. And you know that he was living in a difficult time because this role wasn't an easy role. The purpose of a cupbearer was to taste and eat whatever the king was about to eat to make sure that there was no poison in it. How many of us would want that job? That you're putting your life on the line for someone else. His job was to make sure that he's tasting everything before Pharaoh ate it. So Pharaoh's like watching him eat to make sure nothing happens. And then he goes and eats after. So he had a pretty difficult job. But because of situations that we don't have time getting into, they both get thrown into prison. And this is where the story gets interesting. Here in Genesis chapter 40, we see this. After they had been in custody for some time, these are the two guys. Each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, 
had a dream the same night. Here we come to dreams again. And each dream had a meaning of its own. Verse 6, when Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So here's how diligent and observant and excellent Joseph was. He was able to see the quality of a person's character or see that someone was going through a difficult season. He was able to notice that. Excellent people notice a lot of the small things that other people look over. So he saw that these people looked like where something was on their mind. And here's what he did. Verse 7. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look sad today? Verse 8. We both had dreams, they answered. But there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So Joseph could have had a pity party. And you and I, when we're going through difficult seasons, it's easy for us to get self-absorbed. But Joseph's eyes wasn't on himself, wasn't on his situation or circumstance. It was up and outward. And he was able to notice that the same people who were in the same situation as him was going through a difficult time. They had something on his mind. And so what he did is he leaned in to that. And for us, when we're facing problems, here's what God wants us to do. Look to help for others in that same situation as us. God wants to use all of our situations for us to help other people, especially a difficult season. So if you're going through some stuff, I want to encourage you to look up and look out to try and see other people that might be around you that are going through a similar situation. So Joseph saw that they were discouraged, and he begins to interpret their dreams. And here's one point that I want us to know and take away tonight is this. While you're waiting for your dream to come true, go, ahead, go and help other people to make their dreams come true. So while you're waiting for God to develop your dream in your life, be a part of making someone else's dream come to a reality. God wants to use you to help other people with their dreams. And so that's what Joseph did. He starts to help it. He interprets their dreams and gives them uh, really what God was speaking to them. And I want to encourage you with this. Don't be surprised if you're going through something that God will start to send people in your life that are either going through the same thing or have gone through something that you've already gone through in your life. God never wastes any struggle. He always used struggle for his purpose. And so when you're going through something or have gone through something, God will bring people into your life who are either going through something that you're going through right now or have gone through something that you've gone through in your life. Why? So that you can encourage them. How many of us know the best way to get and receive encouragement was from someone is to know that they've been in the same shoes as us? Like empathy is knowing that I'm not just telling you that it's going to be good. I'm telling you that it's going to be good because I came out of that same situation. There's more weight to it. There's more gravitas, as they would say, to the words that we say. Why? Because we're not just talking good ideas. We're talking about something that we've lived through. So for us, here's what I want us to take away tonight is this. Your misery can be an opportunity for ministry. Here's the kicker, though, if you look around. Your misery can be an opportunity for ministry if you look around. And I look at back at my life and I look at all the things that I've gone through. And one of the biggest things that I needed to overcome in my life was really forgiving my dad. And uh, part of my journey was sharing that journey with other people on how God led me to a process of forgiving my dad and so forth. It was uh, a powerful testimony, so powerful that in our Freedom Weekends, one of the 
parts in Freedom Weekend is about, you know, choosing forgiveness and letting go of bitterness and so forth. And I was always the guy that would have to teach on that subject. Why? Because I had a story about me having to live that out. So telling someone you got to forgive is easy if you have never had to forgive someone. But because I needed to choose to forgive my dad, I became like the uh, daddy issue spokesperson in our church. Every Freedom Weekend, let's have Kalai share about his dad issues and encourage everybody else. And so I realized that my struggle became a platform for me to encourage other people. Why? Because many of us in this room tonight have what? Daddy issues. <laughs> let's just be real. Most of our issues in our lives come from some sort of dysfunction with our parents. And so for me, it was just using that as an opportunity to share my testimony to encourage other people. Because people are dealing with the same thing as me. So when you're going through stuff, don't be surprised if God starts to send people who have gone through or are going through something that you've already overcome. Why? Because you have really the testimony of God's faithfulness in your life that you can encourage them with. I'm also encouraged with a friend of ours, me and my wife. Uh, their son had a random uh, situation that caused some seizures and so forth. And they were in the hospital for weeks. And, you know, when something happens beyond you, when it happens and impacts your kids, how that just is world-changing and life-changing and devastating and all sorts of stuff. And so when we went to visit them in the hospital, they were encouraging us that even in the midst of their difficult situation, they had, to op they had a couple opportunities to pray for nurses, they had opportunities to pray for other parents. Now, let me tell you this. Life is difficult without God. Uh, with God, but also if, if life is difficult with God, how many of us know that life can be really, really difficult without God? So although they had faith in God, they were looking at opportunities to pray for other people. And as they're sharing this to us, tears in their eyes about how God put them in a difficult situation, but God, how, how God was redeeming that, I was getting touched because why? They had an opportunity to be miserable, but they're using that as opportunity for ministry to other people seeing beyond the circumstances that God might have placed me here for a purpose to impact people. So my encouragement to you right now is this. If you're going through a difficult season, maybe you're going through some sort of financial struggle or relational struggle or so forth, keep your eyes open to see maybe the people that God would want to send into your life for you to encourage them about what God is doing in your heart. Because here's the reality. All of us are either just coming out of a trial or in a trial, or going into a trial, and we can all have a story to tell to encourage other people. So keep your eyes up and look to see the people that God might have placed in your life for you to encourage them. So instead of sulking, Joseph was serving other people. Third point in our notes is this. Delays and disappointments are maturing us for greatness. Delays and disappointments are maturing us for greatness. Genesis 40, 12 to 15 says this. Joseph starts to interpret the dreams. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will be put back to Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to when you were uh, his cupbearer. Verse 14, but when all goes well with you, here's a kicker. This is what I want you to see. Remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of prison. You see a, a, a consistency in what's happening here? Remember me, show me, mention me, get me. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done 
nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. So Joseph, in his midst of serving other people, kind of had a victim mentality. And he was telling him, I'm, I'm going to help you, get you out of here. Here's what's going to happen. I interpret your dream. And you would think that the cupbearer would remember him. Fast forward, verse 23. This is what happens. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Any of us here have ever been forgotten before? Ever had someone forget, like, your birthday or forget just about you? Uh, the Bible is filled with so many different stories of people being forgotten. And so this idea of being forgotten is kind of a theme all throughout Scripture. And it's often evident in our lives. Maybe you got forgotten by a boss or a father or someone else took credit for something that you did and then you feel left out or something or everyone else is doing something and you never got the text. Oftentimes, you and I in life will feel this feeling of being left out. But why would God allow Joseph and the cupbearer to forget what Joseph did for him in his life. I was just thinking about this. Like, why would God do that? Why would God purposely allow Joseph to be forgotten? And here's what I thought about when it comes to sometimes how we get forgotten is this. God wanted to make sure that Joseph knew that promotion and deliverance comes from God, not from people. That's what God needed to in grain into Joseph's heart is that promotion and deliverance doesn't come from people. It comes by one person, one person only, and that's God himself. Play the tape forward. If the cupbearer remembered him and then talked to Pharaoh and got him out of prison, you know what Joseph's going to learn? That all I have to do is help other people, manipulate certain situations, and that's how I'm going to get ahead in life. I'm going to use other people as a means to getting myself ahead. I'm going to use other people to get me through the greatness that God has for him. And you and I can often think that the pathway to your purpose is by using other people or manipulating situations and circumstances. And so what God wanted Joseph to learn is this. Promotion and deliverance comes from him. You can't control it. You can't manipulate it. We have to just trust the process. And because... Joseph tried to manipulate the situation. You know what happened? God made him wait two more years. Two more years. He was right on the verge of breakthroughs. God just said, you're not ready yet. Ever been traveling before and you're like on your way back to a destination? And this has happened to me. I haven't traveled much, but before I used to travel a lot. And the one thing that I will hate is when the, the flight attendant will come on the PA. Ah, due, for, due to some unforeseen circumstances, our flight will be delayed four hours. He was like, dang, what do you do at an airport for four hours? You know what I mean? Like, there's only so much that you can do. And while you're waiting to get to a specific destination, you have to, like, literally endure hours of just waiting at the airport. And certain airports are not fun. How many of us know Honolulu Airport is not fun? There's not much you can do there. It's boring, right? Unless you're in, like, Abu Dhabi, and that airport is pretty awesome. But anyways... The delays, you're heading to a destination, but your flight gets delayed. That's exactly what Joseph experienced. He was thinking, I'm going to get out of prison. The cupbearer is going to remember me. He's going to tell Pharaoh. Pharaoh's going to get me out of prison. Joseph was just thinking, getting out of prison. God had a different destination. He was thinking, I'm going to get Joseph to the palace. So Joseph was thinking, I want to get out of here. 
God was thinking, no, I'm preparing you to go back there. So we had two different destinations in mind. And oftentimes when we experience delays and disappointments, is God preparing us for a different destination that he has for us. That's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. So the pathway to purpose might not make sense. That's why you can't rely on your senses. You can't rely on what you see or what you feel. Why? Because it says here, lean not unto your own understanding, which means you're not going to understand it. It's going to seem like a contradiction. It's going to seem like you're supposed to go here, but God is taking you here. In that moment where you feel like there's a disconnect, that's where we have to lean in and trust. Submit to him or choose to walk in obedience to his plan and his way. So God has a way for us to live so that we can experience his favor and his blessing. And that happens in all aspects of our lives. He has a way for us to walk out to experience financial blessing. We have to walk in that way. I don't have time to get into what that looks like. But he also has a way for us to experience health in marriage. He has a way for us to experience that. And that way is oftentimes a direct contradiction to how the world says that you would experience health in marriage. God also has a health and way for us to experience quality in our relationships. He has a way for that. So we have to choose to lean into his word and to his truth so that we can understand the way in which he wants us to walk. The proof that we're not trusting God is seen when we start to turn to other things or to other people as our source to get out of difficulties. If God isn't our first source, and he's usually like the last resort, what that is revealing to us is that we're not fully trusting God to address life's problems. I'm not a baker, but I know one thing about baking is this. The last thing that you want to do is pull out what is in the oven too soon because it might look like it's cooked. But how many of us know that there's the toothpick test? You know that toothpick test where you, know, you got to put the toothpick on the inside and if it comes out with junk on it, what? It's not done yet. Got to leave it in there a little bit longer. But it could look on the outside on the surface. Oh, this thing looks cooked. But it's not cooked. It's still raw on the inside. So sometimes God delays us because we're not properly developed yet. We still need more time in the oven. Two more years for Joseph. Ouch. Here's the, here's, here's the kicker. We can extend the time that we are in the oven if we walk in disobedience, though. I don't want to make this longer than what it needs to be. So let's choose to surrender and walk in obedience to the best of our ability and trust the process of God. Last point in our notes is this. Trust God to, fill, to fulfill his plan in his way and time. Faithfulness brings fruitfulness. Key is his way. Second key is his time. God is never late, but he's rarely early. And it's never really on our time. So two years go by, Joseph is still in prison. And here's what happens. Two years later, God allows Pharaoh to have two dreams and no one can interpret it. The cupbearer now all of a sudden automatically remembers Joseph and tells Pharaoh about Joseph. And so immediately 
Pharaoh calls for Joseph. So they hit Joseph with the Gillette and put some cool water on him to make sure that he's in the right physical appearance to be before the king. And Genesis 41 says this. So Pharaoh, now he has Joseph in front of him and says to Joseph, I had a dream. Not like Martin, but no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Here's what Joseph responds, and here's how you know you got character. Here's his response. I cannot do it. Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. So Joseph wasn't taking any credit anymore. He was giving the credit to God. So Pharaoh tells Joseph both dreams, and Joseph gets a download from God and gives him exactly what he should do. He tells them the meaning of the dream. He basically is 14 years of coming, coming. Seven years are going to be years of just prosperity and success. And then after that seven years, there's going to be seven years of famine. Here's what you got to do. Now he starts to give him wisdom. In the seven years of famine, I mean, in, in prosperity, take some time to take a fifth of everything that you're getting prosperous and put that aside because you're going to need that for the seven years of struggle. So he's giving him a game plan. You got to find someone who's able to do this. Someone with wisdom who can plan all of these things out. And you know what Pharaoh says? This is what Pharaoh says to him. In verse 39, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all of this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. It's crazy. What God was doing to Joseph was preparing him for this moment. But what Joseph was doing all throughout that season of being faithfulness, God just brought that faithfulness to fruitfulness. Now he's in charge of the whole land. He's going to tap into the same gifts that made him successful in prison and tap into that to lead the people in Egypt. A couple things that I want to take from that passage that we just read is this. God will always make us number two to, make, to remind us that he's number one. Joseph got promoted to the second in charge, not to the number one. Why? Because he wanted to, Joseph to be reminded it's all about God, not about him. The second thing is this. He dressed him in fine robes of linen. What happened in the first couple seasons of Joseph's life? It was the Gucci coat that got him thrown into the pit. When he was with Potiphar's wife, she held on to his robe, right? So she had his robe. So in two seasons of his life, the robe was something bad. And what God is trying to say is this. When you try to dress yourself to make yourself look successful, all of that's going to fade. But when you allow me to dress you, come on, somebody. When you allow me to work in your heart, I'm going to dress you. I'm going to cover you. And this coat that I want to put on your life, no one can ever take away from you. So God clothed him with the robe that prepared him for his purpose. Here's what I want to encourage you with this. God has a fast forward button that he can activate at any point in our life. Overnight, Joseph went from the pit to the palace. But that process took 13 years of development. But in an instant, his life was automatically fast forward into his purpose. So God can take you out of your situation and fast forward you into your purpose overnight but he can't develop character overnight. He can't do that. It took 13 years for Joseph to get the character needed to be second in command. 
So whatever situation that you find yourself in, I want to encourage you that that might be part of the process that God is preparing your heart for the future that he has for you. Trust the process. Trust the process. God can't give us instant character. You can't go to Walmart. Hey, they got to sell on character today. Let's stock up. Costco, come on. Buy in bulk. No, there's no such thing. Character is a slow cook process that happens over time. But Joseph leaned in and trust God in the process. And I want to show you from Scripture how you can see God shaping Joseph's character. Genesis 41, 51 to 52 says this. Joseph has um, given to him a wife. He has two kids. And here's what he names them. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Two things we see here is this, forgetfulness and fruitfulness. In an instant, Joseph forgot all the difficult seasons of that 13 years of being wrongfully accused, of doing meaningless tasks in his eyes and serving other people, making other people's dreams come true. In an instant, all that difficulty that he was going through, he was immediately able to forget that. And God replaced that forgetfulness with now a sense of fruitfulness. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Great Divorce, describes hell as a place where you never forget. And sometimes God allows us to go through difficult seasons but some of us are in such a difficult season right now, or have gone through a difficult season, where it's difficult for you to forget. And you're living in hell right now because you're just replaying that hurt and that disappointment over and over and over. And you can't get to fruitfulness because you haven't experienced forgetfulness yet. The word of the Lord for you is this, to choose to let that go. We can't undo what it was happened to us. But through God and the grace of his life, that he will pour out into our life. He can help us to forget the pain from these experiences. He can help us to experience forgetfulness when you got abused and neglected or forgetfulness when you got cheated on and your heart got broken or the experience of divorce and all of these negative things that sometimes we find ourselves in life in. Like if we give that to God, God can bring healing and allow us to forget the pain associated from those situations so that we can experience fruitfulness in our life. My question to us tonight is, what are some of the things that you're holding on to that you're choosing not to forget because you find comfort in just holding on to pain? Joseph had to let go of the pain of his brothers, throwing him there. He had to let go of the pain of being wrongfully accused by Potiphar's wife. He had to let go of the pain of being forgotten for two years. He had to let go of all of that so that he can experience the fruitfulness that God has for him. So forgetfulness sometimes is the step that we need to take to experience the fruitfulness that God has for us in our life. Like I said, we can't undo what was done, but God through his grace can help us to forget the pain associated from that so that we can move on into the purposes that he has for us. Let's pray tonight. God, we thank you so much for who you are. Lord, we thank you for the life of Joseph. Lord, we thank you for what he 
went through that was a forecoming and a foreshadowing to what Jesus would eventually do for us. God, how Joseph was a type of Christ who was able to live righteously in an unrighteous environment. And Lord, we're living in a pretty difficult world, God. A lot of unrighteousness around us. A lot of hurts and a lot of difficulties that many of us are in right now. Lord, I don't want to minimize what we're going through, but I want to maximize our focus on you. God, help us to be faithful with right where we're at. Help us to trust the process that we're in. God, the worst thing that we can do is, that you can do is allow us to come out of something too soon because we didn't have the time spent in the oven of your grace to develop the character that we needed to be the men and women that you're calling us to be. So Lord, we don't want to stop that process. We want to trust you and lean into you. So have your way in our hearts. In your name we pray.